All right, so it was a clean sweep in this lawsuit. Eight distinct legal arguments were made. And those that filed the lawsuit swept the board. And the Colorado Supreme Court, in a four to three decision, said that Donald Trump is ineligible to be on the Republican primary ballot because he violated the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Let's break it down. Richard Friedman's a law professor at the University of Michigan and joins us. Professor, good to have you. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Thoughts on the ruling? Well, it was a very good decision, I thought. I mean, it's a well-written opinion, and to my mind, it was persuasive. It's obviously a stunning result. But, uh, you know, it follows on pretty stunning events of, of two years ago. And there is a constitutional provision that uh, appears to apply here. What was the difference, do you believe, in the lawsuit that was brought in the state of Michigan, the lawsuit that was brought in Minnesota, and the one that was brought in Colorado? Why in Michigan and in Minnesota did they rule differently than what they did in Colorado? Well, the Michigan uh, case, at least, is still alive, so we'll see what the state Supreme Court did. Um, None of those courts reached the merits of it. And so one thing that was uh, true in Colorado, in other words, they didn't reach the question of whether there was an insurrection, whether Trump engaged in it, uh, whether he was uh, covered by the uh, 14th Amendment. They didn't reach any of that. It was all a matter of procedure. Uh, And in Colorado, there is a proceeding which the Supreme Court of the state held was uh, appropriate for determining those issues, and they and they they did get to them. And it's interesting that on uh, most of the uh, issues of federal law, uh, there's no dissent. As you say, there were three dissenters, but uh, two of those were only on state matters of state procedure. And of the three dissenters, uh, all three were were Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. But Justice Carlos Samore. Uh, penned something that that caught my attention. And he he said the decision to bar former President Donald J. Trump, by all accounts, the current leading Republican presidential candidate from Colorado's presidential primary ballot flies in the face of the due process doctrine. Why? Why do you believe he, he thought that and ruled that way? Well, I think he felt that the uh, whole proceeding was uh, was very rushed and uh, rather, rather skimpy. Um, and the uh, the majority said, "What was missing? What what? Uh, how how was Trump hurt? What what did he not get to present that he uh, that he could have?" So you know, it's a it's a question. The the, the majority seemed very uh, very comfortable with it, and uh, I would be surprised, not astonished, but I'd be surprised if the uh, U.S. Supreme Court reversed on that ground. Could happen. What's interesting also to me, and and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, does face some charges as it relates to January 6th and and the 2020 presidential election. He has not been found guilty of any of those charges. Is is that almost a prerequisite in saying, well, you participated in insurrection? Because claiming that somebody participated in something like uh, it's almost it's almost subjective, it would seem to me. So does he have yeah, to actually it, be charged with something in order to no, say that no, you participated no. in it? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we'll see what the U.S. Supreme Court uh, says, but they, that's never been the understanding of Section uh, 3 of the 14th Amendment. It says if you did this, you're not eligible to be, uh, become a, a federal officer. 
and or state officer for that for that matter. So that just requires some proceeding uh, compatible with due process to determine whether he uh, whether he did this. This is not a criminal punishment, and there's no suggestion in the Fourteenth Amendment that it requires a sure. criminal conviction as a prerequisite. What what kind of precedent do you think this sets? Uh, yeah, I think the precedent is that if as president of the United States, you're faithless to your oath, and instead of preserving, protecting, and defending the Constitution, you do what you can to subvert it, that you're then ineligible to take the oath again to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution or to support the Constitution in any office. That's that's the precedent, I think. I mean, it's obviously one of great boards, but it's very narrow. I mean, if you say this is unprecedented, yeah, January 6th was unprecedented. We never had a president who did what he did, you know. So, I, I, um, I, I mean, obviously, if the Supreme Court upholds the Colorado decision, it's very dramatic. But bear in mind, it's a very conservative court. And it's a court with three of his appointees, and I don't see them upholding this decision without at least one, and more likely two and possibly even all three of his appointees uh, uh, voting with it. So it would be very hard for him to talk about it being a rigged job or anything like so that. So do you, do you think it would be purely political if they ruled uh, opposite of what the Colorado Supreme Court did? No, it's a very difficult uh, – it's a difficult question. I mean, it's it, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you've got lots of conservatives who say he's clearly ineligible, and there are lots of liberals who say he shouldn't be held ineligible. Mm. You know, so I think it's uh, – uh, it's a difficult question of constitutional law. Ideology always enters in, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, an ordinary left-right kind of split. So this is certainly – it is certainly going to go to the Supreme Court. It's not technically there yet, but we know that's where it's headed. Um, yeah, it, whether it, they'll take this case right now is not is not uh, for sure. My guess is they will, but they may say they want to sit on this for a little while. It, well, and, and that's where I was going next. In terms of the time frame, I mean, you're talking about primary season starting in March – in, in terms of an appeal process here, the, the, the time is pretty crucial. Yeah. Well, the uh, a couple of things. First, the Supreme Court can, when it wants to, act very quickly. Uh, and we'll see we'll see what it does once. Um, I mean, March 5th is the Colorado primary. So you're, you're, right, I mean, right, you're looking right. at a pretty truncated right. time frame. Yeah, yeah. If the court takes the case and does nothing under the terms of the Colorado decision, He's on the ballot in in uh, in the primary. It was rather unusual what they did, but they they issued their decision. Then they stated it and said that if he if Trump seeks review, it stayed further. So the court can do nothing really, and Trump will still remain on the uh, on the primary ballot. It's possible that uh, the um, court would rather not uh, get involved in this until such time as uh, Trump is uh, the nominee, which would be ruling as to whether he's eligible to be on the general election ballot, because that that eliminates some issues as to party control over primaries. But, of course, if they wait that long, uh, well, it's possible the issue goes away if Trump is not the nominee, um, but then it's also possible that you've got a major party that has nominated somebody in the Supreme Court is asked to rule whether he's eligible. I, I have about 30 seconds left here. We mentioned the Michigan case. Um, 
the Court of Appeals ruled on it, but now a, a, another group is appealing that. That's going to go to the Michigan Supreme Court. Where do right. we stand on that case? Well, as I understand it, the, the Court of Appeals said two things. One was that so far as uh, one of the cases involved the primaries, um, that because of uh, party control over the primary, mm-hmm. that uh, there was not a good claim. Okay. And they thought that so far as the general election is concerned, that it was premature. It Got wasn't it. yet ripe in lawyers' terms. So I think those are those are the uh, the issues. Uh, obviously, the Colorado decision could could give the Michigan Supreme Court a little bit of backing to say, hey, you know, why don't we do the same thing? Mm. Richard Freeman. But they also could say, why don't we wait and see? Sure. Richard Freeman with the University of Michigan Law School. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Yep. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. You want to weigh in on that conversation? And I have a very important question for you coming up next on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere.